Deeper Dive podcast, Catechism of the Catholic Church, in a year. Today is day number 214, and we begin with number 1606. Every man experiences evil around him and within himself. This experience makes itself felt in the relationships between man and woman. Their union has always been threatened by discord, a spirit of domination, infidelity, jealousy, and conflicts that can escalate into hatred and separation. This disorder can manifest itself more or less acutely and be more or less overcome according to the circumstances of cultures, eras, and individuals, but it does seem to have a universal character. According to faith, the disorder we notice so painfully does not stem from the nature of man and woman, nor from the nature of their relations, but from sin. As a break with God, the first sin had for its first consequence the rupture of the original communion between man and woman. Their relations were distorted by mutual recriminations. Their mutual attraction, the Creator's own gift, changed into a relationship of domination and lust, and the beautiful vocation of man and woman to be fruitful, multiply, and subdue the earth was burdened by the pain of childbirth and the toil of work. Nevertheless, the order of creation persists, though seriously disturbed. To heal the wounds of sin, man and woman need the help of the grace that God in his infinite mercy never refuses them. Without his help, man and woman cannot achieve the union of their the union of their lives for which God created them in the beginning. In his mercy, God has not forsaken man. The punishments consequent upon sin, pain and childbearing and toil, and the sweat of your brow also embody remedies that limit the damaging effects of sin. After the fall, marriage helps to overcome self-absorption, egoism, pursuit of one's own pleasure, and to open oneself to the other to mutual aid, and to self-giving. Moral conscience concerning the unity and dissolubility of marriage developed under the pedagogy of the old law. In the Old Testament, the polygamy of patriarchs and kings is not yet explicitly rejected. Nevertheless, the law given to Moses aims at protecting the wife from arbitrary domination by the husband, even though, according to the Lord's words, it still carries traces of man's hardness of heart which was the reason Moses permitted men to divorce their wives. Seeing God's covenant with Israel in the image of exclusive and faithful married love, the prophets prepared the chosen people's conscience for a deepened understanding of the unity and indissolubility of marriage. The books of Ruth and Tobit bear moving witness to an elevated sense of marriage and to the infant, I'm sorry, into the fidelity, the tenderness of spouses. Tradition has always seen in the Song of Solomon a unique expression of human love, insofar it, as it is a reflection of God's love, a love strong as death that many waters cannot quench. Father Jack. Thanks, Bill. You know, the, um, the catechism talks about probably one of the most obvious things that we have seen in modern culture, which is the um, temptations of against marriage right and the, and the sins that are often done right it talks about uh begin today by talking about the uh, marriage under the regime of sin right and all the temptations of that that can occur within this sacrament or within this institution of marriage which is you know basically 
at, at the end of the day, a, a lust, a using of the other person and, and all of the, the side effects that that lust endures, right? Infidelity and a, and a jealousy, right? All of these kind of many sins that spurn out of it. And, and there's not much need, I think, to reflect upon it, right? There's really um, a just, just a gazing out into the world, we can begin to see very quickly that, um, that reality. And so we're not necessarily... Um, overly concerned i should say you're not necessarily um yeah um oh you know then, then we don't need to take so much time seeing oh there are temptations against marriage and that sin is real in the world um but rather what does it mean to have to then have god enter into this marriage right so um and and as we look to the old testament we begin to see some of the um some of the realizations of what marriage is meant to be, right? Because the, the catechism says even though sin exists, even within marriage, it does not change the nature of marriage, right? Which is important then for all of us to recognize, right? Just the fact that it is that marriage is difficult or that there are people who are um, unfaithful in their marriage does not mean that marriage ought to change, right? And just like when, um, or not only that marriage ought to change, or that marriage is itself broken, uh, just like even though there are people who are great sinners in the world, it does not mean that man is by his nature uh, irrevocably broken. Um, So we look, we look to what does God say about it in the old Testament and how, how marriage is meant to be. So we see that marriage doesn't, doesn't, isn't not uh, fulfilled all at once. You know, we look to the, you know, as the catechism points out, the patriarchs and Kings, this is something that may be scandalous for many people. The first second or first time they hear it, that, uh, polygamy was seemingly okay uh, in in the Old Testament. We you know look to 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 David or, or to Solomon especially, and you hear about the many wives and concubines that, that each of them had, right? Which is very strange to warriors, uh, and it ought to be, and it should be kind of like ooh, wait um, that that there was kind of this slow revelation of God. We call progressive revelation. He didn't just throw the whole gospel at us all at once. Um, he didn't throw the whole moral law at us because it would overwhelm us in in fear and trepidation. Rather, he slowly shows this is the fullness of the plan. So when he gives this teaching of the old law, um, he doesn't necessarily cut out uh, those those particular offenses against marriage right away. He does in time. We see, we know, um, but rather when we look to this, we're looking at the 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 reality and the fact that that. Marriage has its own nature that is that's fulfilled later and not necessarily seen right away. But we begin to see a hint at the end of this reflection from the Song of Psalms, the, the, tr- the, the full uh, realization of the mystery in the sacrament of marriage. It's, it's not about the um, uh, just about the spouses, as beautiful as it is and as helpful as it is. Um, you know, it talks about... Uh, at the beginning of the or at the beginning of this last section, it says, "After the fall, marriage helps to overcome self-absorption, egoism, pursuit of one's own pleasure, and open oneself up to other, to the mutual aid and self-giving." These are all beautiful things that help the individuals and the individuals even involved in marriage. Right? That that for each other it is a help. But then, very quickly, we turn to the Song of Songs, which has this understanding of spousal love, very much throughout. Uh, and, and great poetry and sometimes in great detail, but there's always a hint, and sometimes even more than a hint, that that this image of spousal love is more than just these two, 
the two people in front of it. But as a sacrament, it, uh, it or even pre-sacrament, it reveals something more of what God's love is, which is the same uh, fruitfulness. It is the same fidelity. It is the same um, passionate love, true passion that desires one to suffer for the sake of the other. And as we look to uh, to even the Old Testament, we begin to see what is fulfilled in the New, which is that marriage has a help for those who are in the covenant, but also a a sense of revealing who God is in the midst of of this of the uh, institution itself.